example, at Yikyak, when I started, I was the first intern. They didn't have an intern program. So when I get there, they're like, what do you want to do? <laughs> that's good. That's so Literally, they're just like, what do you want to do? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, get paid. <laughs> uh, so I was like, yeah, I want to meet everyone on the team. Well, luckily, it's me and like eight other people. So I'm meeting the CTO. I'm meeting the CEO. I'm meeting the COO. I'm meeting the chief product officer. And, you know, these guys are busy. And they're like, I got a meeting for 30 minutes with who? Scooter? Scooter? <laughs> like, who are you? You're an intern? Like, I didn't even know we had an intern. Like, what do you work on? <laughs> I'm going with the flow, and thank you, Falaron. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Go With The Flow. I'm your host, Falaron Okulaja, here with a special guest. But before I get to my guest, make sure you like, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you get podcasts and content. Run it up. Run it exactly. up. Run it up. Exactly. Like and subscribe. But my guest today is Scooter Taylor. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Scooter. What's going on? Thanks for having me, man. Thank Seriously. you for thank you for coming on. And this this episode came about because of Remy. Yeah. Shout out to Remy. Shout out Remy. The beauty and connecting people. So honestly, that's even where I want to start. Is one of my favorite things about New York City in general yeah. is the quality of people that you meet mm. in the most random of ways. I went to a comedy show last night. Shout out Underground Overground Comedy. Shout out David Levine and Ethan Mansoor, where they host these comedy shows in random locations all over the city. Okay. Went to one a couple months back, ended up chopping it up with David after the fact, and now he's someone I consider a friend, and we just, we've just we built that connection just through the city. For sure. And so now you're someone who I'm looking forward to seeing where this, where this relationship goes. No, I mean, it's, it's good. I think uh... You got to leave room for like serendipity, right? And I think, you know, New York in itself has like a just surface area for luck, right? You can go to a coffee shop, you can go to a bar, you could be at a podcast studio and someone's like, you should meet the next person. Exactly. And uh, there's that serendipity that, you know, you can get in a lot of places, but New York, I mean, like I said, the surface area for just that happening is phenomenal. Exactly. So, so okay. Scooter Taylor, give the people your background. Who are <laughs> you? Where are you from? Let's let's get into it. Yeah, man. Uh, I always start with Memphis, man. I'm, I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, if you ever been to Memphis, it's a special place. It's got its challenges, but it's a very special place. The people are special. Um, so yeah, from Memphis, you know, fairly normal upbringing, mom, dad, older sister. It was kind of the core four of us. Um, and, you know, I like to think that, you know, my mom and dad, for the most part, like, never told me I couldn't do anything. Like, you know, like, I didn't get really whoopings as a kid, <laughs> if that comes off clear uh, in our interactions. But uh, I was just given the freedom to try different things. And, you know, very early on, tried a lot of things on the computer. And, you know, that kind of steamrolled to a lot. But I'm all, you know, I'm new to New York as well. I've lived in Atlanta San Francisco, LA, uh, but new to New York is about this is month five right now. I think okay. as of as of today. Uh so you know, that's beautiful. Out of well, all those places that you've lived so far, which is which has been your favorite and mm -hmm. why? Um, this might hurt some people. I mean, New York is the favorite for sure, right? Like I really can see myself being here for 15, 20 years, honestly. Um Atlanta though is just so special, and mm -hmm. people like to hate on Atlanta, but Atlanta is very. Who hate people very, hate on Atlanta? People do, people do. I think, uh, but I think those folks who 
uh, hate on Atlanta have never really been to Atlanta, right? They actually have been to Georgia and they've been to like surrounding areas of Atlanta, but they haven't actually just been spent time in the city. Um, I think if you're especially like a young, young professional black person, like it's, it's a special city. I think Atlanta is one of the most culturally important cities in the world right now. Um, there's some beautiful people there doing beautiful things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a sleeper because it's in the South too, right? So obviously you got your New York, your LA, you know, your coast, coastal cities. But when you start going down South, Atlanta is a, it's a gym. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was in Atlanta twice last year over the summer and the food down there is amazing. Let's get the Southern <laughs> hospitality. The lamb chops or what? But what I, I went, we went to this one breakfast spot. It was, okay. oh, it's called the Bre- breakfast, breakfast club. club. Yeah, breakfast yeah, okay. club. Okay. Yes, exactly. Yep. Breakfast club. Phenomenal. I'll give you, you, that. you wait in line for way too long, but I'll once you, you actually sit down, the food is amazing. So I went there for a wedding and then for the, actually the Black and Fest podcast festival. Okay. Took a nice little solo trip down there just to take in the space. Cause I just enjoy being around creatives, people doing, doing similar things to, to what I'm doing. Uh, yeah. Atlanta special, man. Um, how would you describe your time growing up, growing up in Memphis? How has it kind of shaped who you are now that you're, because you've, again, you've lived in Atlanta, SF, LA, now New York. How yeah. does that Memphis upbringing still kind of stick with you? Yeah, it's the, it's the Southern hospitality, right? That respect. Um, you know, I was a 90s kid, 93, so kind of the last of that era that was, um, you know, raised by the community and respect your elders and you're outside all day until the street lights come on. So I think there's definitely this just like Southern hospitality, respect, patience, you know, grace that I really credit Memphis with. Um, and then, you know, I think just like there's a there's a rich culture, right? Obviously, you know, Three Six Mafia, the Young Dolph, the, you know, all, all the different uh, rap music and how important that is to the city. You know, the Grizzlies at the grit and grind era. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, I statistically, right? Like, should I have made it out of Memphis? I don't know, right? Statistically, you know, it's it's not a city where most people make it out and and do some of the things that we're doing. And, and I have friends who are doing just even ama- more amazing things, right? And so, there's a resilience I think that's embedded into the city, right? Like, it's just like luck of the draw. Boom, you're born in Memphis. Okay, yeah. like you know, that's an uphill battle versus like you know, you're maybe born in another city that has opportunity. Um, for you and, and your people, you know, like we really gotta. So, like, you know, mom and dad, like they, they worked, mom specifically, right, worked um, a lot to make sure that we had, you know, access to the good education and X, Y, and Z. Um, put me into programs. I was a Taekwondo guy. That was my thing. So, Taekwondo is a big early influence. Um, I, I started when I was nine and then ended up uh, actually being like a Taekwondo instructor. Oh, wow. And that, then, what, what belt did you get up to? Uh, I got up to third degree black belt. Yeah. Wow. So you can fight. <laughs> you know, I'll, <laughs> you said I'll leave my it at words. that. <laughs> you said don't mess with them. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. No, you can't, you can't tell people that because then people will be trying to like put you in situations. To uh, <laughs> try to just, test you? Yeah. And it's like, I just keep it really close to the chest uh-huh. oftentimes. But um, no, Taekwondo was a big you know, that was a big activity. I was a gym rat, so I would go all day. Like, my class wouldn't be till 7 o'clock, but I'd ask my mom to drop me off at 5, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I'd just be there all day. And uh, from there, I fell in love with it, was able to move up through the ranks, started helping teaching the class, mm-hmm. like, just assisting. And then that turned into, like, getting up in front of the class, right, and, like, warming them up. And then that led to, like, okay, do the first 30 minutes of the class. And then I got the confidence to, like, teach an entire class. So that was my job from... 14 to like 18, 19. Like that was really my 
I didn't I didn't you know work in like a Chick Fil A or anything like that was my that was my job and then through that is how I um, how I started doing like YouTube stuff as well. Perf- great segue because I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna lead into that. You mentioned earlier on that your parents they kind of let you be creative and do all these different things. Yeah. You mentioned that you had a, you had a YouTube channel back in the day. Could you high level tell the people how you got into it and what the the type of content is that you produced? Yeah, man, YouTube was a that was a wild time. Um, so basically, I'm teaching Taekwondo, and um, you know the owner of the Taekwondo school, his son. Uh, was there and I tripped over his MacBook charger. And if you remember, the MacBook chargers used to be magnetic. So it just kind of popped out. And yeah. I was like, what's this? You know? And I look at the computer and he's like on iMovie and he's making uh, a video and he's doing like the Star Wars title effect. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, how are you doing this? Like, I like Star Wars. Like, how are you? And he's like, it's a MacBook. This is iMovie. <laughs> so I saved up all my money and uh, bought a MacBook like maybe three weeks later. So me and him really hit it off just like learning about the computers. And we started making videos that were trying to be comedy, uh, trying to be funny videos, but they weren't funny at all. <laughs> and, you know, we'd, we'd work so hard on these videos, put them up online, and the next morning they'd have like eight views, ten views. But that was really just us like refreshing the screen <laughs> like every time. Um, and then one day we did a video on tech. We did a video just like describing some of the apps that we had been downloading and like plugins that we were finding. And we woke up the next morning and that had like 120 views. And we were like, okay, we might be on the side. <laughs> yeah. So we just kept doing uh, Mac Mac tips. So we called it Macintosh tips. Mm-hmm. We had um, 20,000 subscribers. Wow. I mean, I'm like, you know, this is like 2008, 2009. So I'm like 15, 16 and uh, fell in love with it. I mean, like literally, you know, to your, to your point, like mom was cool with me just on the back computer all day like I was I wasn't going to like football games or basketball <laughs> games like in high school trying to holler at chicks like I was making YouTube videos man <laughs> that's what I was doing which honestly and so we'll get into kind of the whole the broader content creation aspect of things yeah and even which is something that I'm even trying to do is kind of fine-tune what it is that the people want to listen to and what they want to hear mm. and that'll kind of guide the content that you create which it sounds like it happened for you when you were initially starting, was there any sort of, because this is even something that I not really struggled with, but I thought about when I was working on this podcast is when you're posting content on YouTube, you are putting yourself out there. Yeah. You are leaving yourself up for whether it's criticism, love, hate, whatever, whatever. Was that any was that ever a, a, a hesitation for you in doing the initial content producing that you were doing? You know, I think funny enough, I've actually dealt with that more now as I've started to like put videos back online. Mm-hmm. But back then, I think some of it was like young and innocent and you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. But also like the internet was still very new to a lot of people, you know, 2008, 2009, right? Like the iPhone is just dropping, you know, um, you know, you're just getting an iPhone with video recording capabilities. So it wasn't just like, you know, there were haters online, but it wasn't as a magnitude of now, right? Yeah. Like, you could put something up now and, like, you get hate in, like, 30 seconds, right? Yeah. Uh, back then, you get, you know, you get a couple people who were like, this is stupid, or, <laughs> you know, you get your, you know, your racist YouTuber every once in a while, but you kind of just shake that off. Um, I think for me, and this, again, this is also interesting to see how content has evolved. Like, back then, I wanted to be, like, super perfect, right? I wanted to talk perfectly. Quality had to be good. The jump cuts, like, everything had to be good because we were using like professional cameras, we were trying to really, you know, edit and make a polished video. Now it's like, yo, you're in the car, barbecue sauce is on your lip, you're, <laughs> you can just put a selfie up and like, 
that shit goes viral. You know what I'm saying? And like back then, that would have never flew, right? Because yeah. you, you know, think about it. YouTube was just coming out with like HD capabilities, right? Yeah, but so when, when was YouTube? I'm even. I don't even right? know when YouTube. Because you had to. If 2008, that was like. Yeah, YouTube comes right out in like 05. Yeah, effect, that's you know early, early YouTube. So this is like early. This is like before they even started like monetizing the channel. Like yeah. we started, we started monetizing in like 2009. Uh, Valentine's Day, two thousand nine. Actually, damn, this might be the anniversary of. Uh, there you <laughs> of go. Me. Yeah, <laughs> I remember uh, my boy. Uh, shout out my boy Michael Glenn, man. This is a funny, funny moment. He set us up on like a double date to go uh, watch this movie, My Bloody Valentine. It's rated <laughs> <Okay>. R, um, <laughs> and so we can't even buy tickets. We had to actually like ask someone to like buy the tickets, and then they fumbled the bag. So we ended up actually watching Paul Blart Mall Club. Nice. <laughs> but I was actually on one. Everyone else was like kind of upset about it, but I was on one because literally two hours before that. I got the email from YouTube saying uh, you can monetize your channel, and so oh, I was like, uh, I was like, I make money on my YouTube channel. And they were like, <laughs> okay, like what are you talking about? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that was just to give you a context of like what I was like, and and, yeah, and what was even what was the threshold back then to even get it to be monetizable, if you remember? Um, I think it was like five or ten thousand subscribers, but it was also it was always very just like loose you didn't know right yeah. like it wasn't like as defined like right now i think it's like now. hour watch time and stuff like that like it wasn't like that it was just like do you have the subscribers you have the views like you got to apply they mm -hmm. hit you back so yeah we got we got in and it was it was pretty cool and was it something that everyone around you knew you were doing or was it just kind of your own secret little thing where you just have this you know you have your 20k subscribers online and then you show up to class and no one kind of knows what it is that you're you're doing outside of school. No, I mean, I tried try to let people know. I was, uh, I wore a YouTube hoodie. Uh, I was trying to find a photo so you could put up there. I, I had a YouTube hoodie uh, and I wore it. But again, people just didn't understand. Like, they were like, why are you repping YouTube so hard? And I'm yeah. like, I have a channel and like, I make money from it. And they were just like, only Soulja Boy makes money. And I was like, yes, yeah, Soulja Boy makes money from YouTube, but I make money. From I, I, do, I do as well. You know, um, and so, you know, people, no one just knew, um, but it was definitely a cool thing that I did. I was always just like making stuff though. Like even outside of the YouTube videos, I was still like posting different videos and making edits and like throwing them on Facebook. Uh, so like, you know, people knew that I was a video creative kind of person, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know if they knew the extent of like, no, when I post a video, like tens of thousands of people watch it, and yeah. like I'm helping people with their like Apple products. Yeah. I don't think people recognize that. Too Where much. do you think that creativity and desire to produce content comes from? Is it any sort of inspiration, particularly, or is it just kind of just something you've always been drawn to? Uh, I mean, you know, like the personality is the personality. So you know, I think being a Taekwondo instructor, you got to be a little fearless of like you know get up in front of people and you know, make jokes and talk and try to teach people things. And so, you know, we were teaching on the YouTube, right? Like the YouTube was about like, you know, here's how you do this thing on your MacBook or here's how you empty the trash, right? You know, <laughs> people didn't know how to use you know, Apple, day, yeah. Apple back then. <laughs> so we were teaching, so it was very natural. Um, and then, you know, it was just like, this is like, you know, like the dopamine of like seeing the views and seeing people say thank you and like the subscriber count go up. It was like, yeah, it was cool. It was my friend. And like, we were just having fun, man. We weren't, we weren't thinking too hard about it. Like, I think now it's, it's really hilarious when I hear people say they want to start a YouTube channel or they want to do something like this. And I just think back, like, 
you know, we didn't go in with those intent. We were just like, you just, oh, we just like, oh, let's just fun. Let's you keep went with in. the flow, and then it kind of worked out. Exactly, pun intended. I make that exactly <laughs> shameless. You know, put it in exactly, there. exactly. Um, so yeah, so it it wasn't as planned. Where now, like you know, someone right now is starting a YouTube channel, and it's a key component to their like career and yeah. their livelihood and how they're gonna like feed themselves. Uh, that just wasn't necessarily how we were thinking about it in 2009. And so, black man reviewing tech products <laughs> reminds you of you said you mentioned Marquise Brownlee. You, oh yeah. The, did you mention that there was some sort of connection there? Yeah, I mean, I, like I remember, like it was early YouTube, right? So the tech reviewer scene was just getting popping. Uh, There's a guy named uh, Mark Watson, Soldier Knows Best, uh, MKBHD, or Marcus Brownlee. Like I remember when he first started his channel, you know, and like. There's definitely been email exchanges. We've definitely collabed on videos together. Um, and so, I, you know, I think prime example of, like, started very rudimentary, started very basic, zero subscribers, and is now the biggest like YouTuber, America, yeah. right? He, you know, interviews Elon Musk and Joe Biden and, you know, Tim Cook, right? And so, you know, it's like the power of keeping going, keep going and consistency. Um, I just don't think we knew what we had. And then I think also just different, so there were a few things, right? We were reviewing Apple products, and Apple was dropping a new product like every. Oh, you were six solely months. Apple products. We were solely Apple products, okay. and so I would have to like go to my mom and be like, "I need the iPhone 6. She's like, "No, <laughs> nah. you don't." Yeah, like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, "I need the iPad too," and it's like, "No, like that's just you know." So that that was pretty expensive to probably keep up with that. And then I think, um, in addition, um, you know, I was going to college, and you know, my friend he was getting married at the time, so like we just had different life experiences that. I think for us, uh, we couldn't keep up with the consistency. Yeah. Uh, and so people were like, yo, where are the videos? And we were like, I'm like, I'm in college. I'm yeah. going to go to the party. You know? <laughs> um, but it was, a, it was a great foundation. And I think, you know, it, it served its purpose in its time, um, especially when I think about, you know, all the cool things I'm doing now. Yeah. And it's funny. Is the, is the page still up? And the reason I ask is I... And this is funny. So when I look up your name... Okay. Which, have you tried to look up your name before? Uh, like Google. Yeah, if you Google Scooter Taylor, the first thing that comes up is the Scooter Braun Taylor. Yeah, exactly. Drama. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there is so much content around that that yeah. I was literally doing a deep dive on Google, yeah. YouTube, trying to find the page. And, and it channel. wasn't like that before. Like before that drama, it was that's like what you could I was, see that's, some of yeah, the that, stuff I was working on. Yeah, that's what, that's like, what I was getting at. Yeah. It's, it's like, like, yeah, this kid is not like he's not even a real person. Yeah, I was like, did that drama like fuck you over a little bit? Yeah, <laughs> like, no, it's, not. It's, it's just like, yeah, like you gotta just hit me direct. Yeah. If you wanna if you wanna ask me questions. For sure. Um, okay, so you stopped doing it mostly because you mentioned you went on to college. What, remind me where you went to school? Went to Morehouse. Morehouse, okay. Yeah, man, went to Morehouse. What was that experience like? Best experience, man. Um, you know, two things. I got to credit my older sister. I, you know, I, I really think older sisters are like the backbone of society. Um, and so, you know, she went Ivy League. Where'd you go? Uh, she went to Wellesley. Uh, okay. Wellesley College up in Massachusetts. Okay. Um, and and so, you know, she went Ivy League and uh, she was working on Wall Street and she was working around some Spellhouse kids, some of her friends. And she called me up and was like, yo, the kids who went to Morehouse and Spellman, they are, they're actually tight. They're good at the job. They're having way more fun on their college campus. Like, you need to think about going to Morehouse. You've been going to this, like, all-boy, all-white private school. There's an all-boy, all-black private school <laughs> in Atlanta. And I'm like, 
bet. Okay, cool. You know, like older sister suggested it. So she must be right. And so, you know, my first time in Atlanta was on moving day. I didn't even. You didn't yeah, visit the camp. That's, just, that's always a bold choice, not visiting your campus. Man, I didn't. I didn't I visit. I tell people who, uh, when COVID happened, they couldn't do it. That's that's a bold move. <laughs> yeah, man. I didn't, I didn't visit Morehouse. Um, like, to give you the context of, like, how. To let you just give you a picture of, like, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, first time in Atlanta. Um, we move in. And I'm in the West End of Atlanta. So if you don't know the West End, like. It's the West End, you know? And um, I finished moving like moving in, and I go to my RA. I'm like, yo, man, you know, me and my family are hungry. Where's the nearest, like, Chick-fil-A? And they just start cracking up. And they're like, you got a Popeye's and a church's. <laughs> like, and it was like, all right, cool. Like, this is where I'm at, you know, with it. So um, I think now with gentrification, there's a there's a Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I was about to say. I, I, would, but, yeah, I was about to say Chick-fil-A is everywhere now. You know, bef- you know. Back in the back in the old days, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And so, D, so in hindsight, you are happy with the HBCU decision, and which is something that I'm I'm always just curious about because I went to Princeton and loved my experience there. Have now met some people who went to HBCU. Yeah. So it's always interesting just comparing and contrasting what those experiences were like. And it was beautiful, man. Um, I think you know you see the um how dynamic of a people we are, right? There's so much diversity within blackness, right? So you got your international students, you got the different socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, And then I think it was just really cool to finally be in a space where, you know, we were the standard, right? Like the standard wasn't, um, you know, the white dude that I thought like, oh, we're all trying to achieve and get to that level. Mm -hmm. They're doing it, right? I was meeting, you know, some of my friends were doing stuff that was way more impressive than the guys at my high school, you know? And I was like, wait, okay, like this is the new standard. And I know people now that are working on Wall Street that look like me and that are, you know, daring to go start tech companies and and do these things. And I'm meeting alumni that have raised, you know, funding and, and sold companies. So for me, it was like, man, this is, I can be comfortable knowing that I can achieve high heights without having to like uh, do some weird measuring stick up to, you know, someone on the outside that doesn't look like me. So yeah, that was cool. and it's, yeah, and it's funny because for me, I so was born in Nigeria and lived there for yeah. nine years. Okay. And so coming to America, obviously, so in Nigeria, obviously, most people are not most. And I, the reason I was going to say everyone, but not, I was going to say everyone, but I said most people, because literally two weeks ago, <laughs> I met, the, so Nigeria's in the, I don't know when I'm actually going to drop this episode. Yeah. But on February 11th, Nigeria will be playing in the final of the African Cup of Nations. Okay. Last weekend, I was watching the game at Lagos Times Square with some of my friends. And these girls walk up to me, they come with some of my friends, and then we just get to chatting, chatting, chatting. They ask where I'm from. I say, I was like, oh, I was born in Nigeria, but I've lived in America since I was nine years old. Right. I was like, where are you guys from? They're like, oh, we were also born in Nigeria, Mm. and we lived there for 15 years. Mm. But they were not black. They looked South Asian. Mm. And so it was just a little bit. I did not expect you to go there. Me? Oh, I was very confused. (laughs) I was also very, you should have seen the look on my face. And one of them even dared to say she was more Nigerian than me. I was, I was shook. (laughs) It was, yeah, that was, it was quite an interaction. So that's why. Global citizens. Exactly. That's why I digressed. But coming from Nigeria, where most people are black, that is exactly, like you said, (laughs) the standard. Yes, And for sure. TV, everyone's black. Billboards, everyone's black. So going from that to America, where black people are now the minority that was kind of the biggest shock in general from making that move but i will say that that mindset kind of like what you're saying you got from morehouse where 
I'm seeing people who can achieve everything who look like me. Yeah. That has always stuck with me to the point where doesn't matter what room I'm in or what situation I'm in. I know that just because of where I'm from and because you see all the great things people can do who look like you, it is never any sort of doubt about how my capabilities will stack up from with anyone, yeah. which is why even at a place like Princeton, I was like, I'm able to thrive because yes, people come from all these different backgrounds, whether wealthy, internet, like whatever, whatever. But like at the end of the day, I know who I am and I know I'm going to thrive. And I think that's and, super important for anyone, yeah. right? anyone, any race, any gender to like believe that. Yeah. Um, and I think you definitely get that instilled in you at Morehouse mm -hmm. and they do it in like different ways. Like there's different, you know, sayings and things that like in quotes that we kind of can like spit off like, like for, the back for, of our, like, for example uh like one of them is like um you know there's an air of expectancy at morehouse right uh there's an air of expect there's an air of expectancy um that no man living no man dead no man yet to be born right will do the task or do the job as well as you'll you know do right like, like and so <laughs> i'm probably paraphrasing but I, you know i think that in itself, right? And you, then you look at like, you know, the Dr. Kings who went there, the Spike Lees, the Samuel Jacksons, uh, shout out Metro Boomin, he went there. He went you to Morehouse? I did not know he went to funny, funny enough, man, I was uh, talking to someone recently at a dinner and uh, he's about my age, a little bit younger. And I was like, I went to Morehouse. And the first thing he said was like, oh, Metro Boomin went there. And I was just like, that's a generational thing because, you know, anyone who's a boomer or generation <laughs> X, they're like, that's where Dr. King yeah. went, that's where Spike Lee went, and now I think it's a... Uh, Metro boomers. Shout out Metro. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, so, uh, but, you know, this is there's a lot of excellence coming out of Morehouse, coming out of Spellman, coming out of Clark, um, you know, like, there's just a lot of excellence, a lot of black excellence, a lot of just excellence in general um, coming out of there, and, you know, you, you either have, you have to make a decision, either you're going to, like, be insecure about that or just kind of like not live up to that or you're going to just, you know, actually try your best, right? And, yeah. put, and put your stamp on it. And so. And then yeah. after Morehouse, the next stop was where for you? The immediate next stop was San Francisco on a pullout couch. Okay. <laughs> uh, Is that where you were working on Yik Yak? Uh, no. So I was doing Yik Yak uh, right at the end of school. Okay. Yeah. So Yik Yak was a social media app uh, that was in Atlanta, right? And I think this is where, you know, serendipity right like most that's, of that's the word of the podcast yeah no look man <laughs> uh you know a lot of a lot of those tech companies of that era this is like 2014 so a lot of tech companies who were raising funding from vcs in san francisco they were located in san francisco like you had to go to san francisco to go work at some of those top name companies and then here comes this random app that has grown on every college campus number one in the app store backed by some of the biggest investors in San Francisco and they're right in Buckhead in Atlanta. And, I did not know that. Yeah. And, and so, uh, you know, back, I would say back in the day, right. Pre pandemic for sure. When you took, you know, VC dollars, the investors were typically like, yo, you got to come out to San Francisco. Like you're going to move because why are you in Atlanta or yeah. Memphis or Nashville or Austin, Texas or Miami, right? Now it's like, oh, you can stay there and like, we'll make it work. But back then it was like, yo, you got to go out to San Francisco. Yeah. So um, I lucked up and, you know, found, uh, not found, but I was, I was just moving around the tech scene and I ran to the founder of Yik Yak. And before Yik Yak, I had tried to throw the world's largest water balloon fight. Mm. I talk about this often, but tried to throw the world's largest water balloon fight and I failed like two or three times at it. And I looked at him, I said, man, you've got funding, you got every college campus using your app, you should be able to do this. And uh, 
He was like, cool. He gave me his email. I didn't email him. I actually lost the email. <laughs> um, and then I needed an internship. And I had a buddy who um, was also applying, but he got he didn't get the job. And I was like, yo, I met those guys. Like, I need to email them. Like, what's what's the email? Like, I'm going to email them and try my, try my hand at it. And uh, it worked. And so I became like the eighth a first intern for sure, but I, like, it was like me and like eight other people in the yeah. office when I first joined. Like, what was it like? Because I'm so curious because I work at a massive company. I'm not, I'm one day down the line, I do want to try to operate. Oh, yeah, you were crushing it. You were crushing it for sure. Appreciate it. Operate in the startup world where it's, you you're kind of building something from the ground up and it's a small team. Yeah. What was that experience like for you? And how do you compare it with, have you actually, have you worked at a bigger company at all or no? No, I've never okay. worked at a bigger company. I've never had like a corporate job. Okay. Um, I did a corporate internship once okay. and that was pretty fun. But outside of that, uh, I've never had a corporate job. So, you know, my first day at Yik Yak, um, I mean, I went from like planning a marketing campaign for the University of Arizona to like stock in the fridge with like more water because <laughs> their water was all gone. So yeah. you're just doing everything, yeah. right? Um, and it, it was awesome. But, you know, I did use one lesson from that corporate experience mm -hmm. um, at Yik Yak, and I think it really helped, right? I, I think what people fail to realize is like startups are small, but the goal is to like grow them into large companies. Yeah. And so the things that you learn at a big company um, are still sometimes pretty helpful at a small company, right? Not everything, but some things. So for example, at Yikak, when I started, I was the first intern. They didn't have an intern program. So when I get there, they're like, what do you want to do? <laughs> that's good. That's so Literally, they're just like, what do you want to do? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, get paid. <laughs> um, you know, so learning from that corporate internship the year before, I was like, well, I want to meet all the people on the team, right? Because that was the first assignment at the corporate internship. Mm -hmm. They were like, meet your team for the first two weeks. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I want to meet everyone on the team. Well, luckily it's me and like eight other people. So I'm meeting the CTO. I'm meeting the CEO. I'm meeting the COO. I'm meeting the chief product officer. And, you know, these guys are busy and they're like, I got a meeting for 30 minutes with who? Scooter? Scooter? <laughs> like, who are you? You're an intern? Like, I didn't even know we had an intern. Like, what do you work on? And, but I'm asking them like, you know, what's your role? How can I help you? How do you interact with marketing? You know, what's your day-to-day -day like? And I started to see the pieces of the puzzle, right? Cool. All right, so this is how the CEO and the COO operate. Got it. Chief product officer reports to this guy. Okay, the CTO and the CEO are aligned. Oh, that's how the product guy works with this. Okay, and then I'm marketing. Oh, okay, so like it was a really good experience to just see how my, it my, operates. Yeah. And then I just called my mom and I was like, I can do this. I can, I can do the startup thing. And she's like, what? No, you're just an intern. Like, what are you talking about? And I was like, no, I can, I can do this. And was the rest of your internship still you deciding what you wanted to do? Or at a certain, at a certain point, did they kind of organize some sort of internship program? Uh, so, yeah. I, so I was, I was an intern for like a year and a half or so. And so, Damn. Uh, oh, yeah. So, oh, so you, oh, okay. So yeah, so it was were, like during school. Oh, so in my mind, I was thinking this is like a summer. Okay. No, it was okay. like during school. And okay. so I think I went through like a school and then a summer. And then I think the next summer, they actually had a full intern program. Wow. They got like laptops and like, <laughs> it was a whole thing. And you're like, like, where was this when I was They there? had like, yeah, dude, it was like a whole orientation program. Uh, so I was with them. Like I said, it was like eight or nine people when I was like there. By the time I left, they had like 80 people on the team. Wow. So they scaled up pretty quickly. Success. And uh, do you still keep in touch? Because Yik Yak isn't, it, does it still operate? Uh, I I don't know. It, yeah, I think I it operates under like some new people. Okay. Uh, but I think what you're about to ask is like, do I keep up with people? Yeah. Uh, and I do, man. Okay. Some of my best buddies are uh, are from Yik Yak, right? Like, um, I think it's just like a 
again, that's where the Memphis comes in, right? Where, you know, Memphis is not, let me say this. Everywhere is a transactional. Everywhere can be transactional. Yeah, it, but yeah, obviously, it can be. Yeah, but you yeah, get that a lot, obviously, in L.A. You get mm-hmm. that, obviously, in New York. Mm-hmm. People are like, yo, I need this. Let's go. Let's mm-hmm. make it happen, right? The South, Memphis, like, people take their time, man. They want to they meet you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, like, how's your family doing? And yeah. how's your day? And uh, that was big for me, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm not just working around people, but I'm asking about other things outside of work. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a distraction, but at the end of the day, I've built those relationships where, you know, the guy who hired me for Yik Yak, um, you know, and a brilliant marketer, uh, I literally just caught up with him yesterday. Nice. You know, we had a great conversation and we we're talking about all the cool things he's doing. He has a kid now, his wife, and like, you know, we were talking about just the journey that we've been on. And like, I think that's super special. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, he took a chance on me. I'm glad that I performed, but I'm also glad that like, we were able to really just have a real bond versus like, yeah, I work for you and you're my boss. And like, at the end of the day, dog, like Peace out, I'm yeah. just trying to get paid. Like, you know, that I'm glad I did that. Which it it is so hard. That is one thing that I actually think I've struggled with is being able to maintain those sorts of connections. Cause I'm someone who, whether it's through work, through this podcast thing, or even yeah. whether it was high school, college, all the different interactions that I'm forming with people I've never been the best at like keeping up with people and that's something that I try to be conscious to be better about consciously to the point where now my one thing is if someone crosses my mind I just text them yeah yeah how are you yeah easy little simple thing like that because again it is I never as much as I ask people for things a lot not okay. Not even necessarily. So even like me and you, yeah, no. we, we met on Zoom a week or two Literally, ago. Yeah. Now you're on the podcast two weeks later. I'm definitely going to keep up the interaction. So just little things like that, where as much as we are doing this thing together, I don't want it to just be that one initial interaction. I want to make sure we're still For sure. building the connection going forward. So it's a good thing that you've been able to mindfully keep keep that up. Yeah, man. I mean, I think, you know, I think the internet helps with that, right? Yeah. Posting a status, posting on Instagram a lot, like... Um, but I, you know, I think there's merit to also being upfront and asking for what you want. Right. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, you may not do that cause you're scared of ruining the relationship or whatever, but I think there's merit to that. And then, uh, a hack that I learned, I don't do this often, but, uh, I wish I could credit the person who, who first told me this, but what they do is, you know, once a month, they'll go to the end of their iPhone, like messages, like the very end mm-hmm. and be like, who's the last person I texted. And typically it's someone that you're like, damn, I haven't talked to this person in a long time. Wow. Let me, let me actually like check in. You yeah. Know? Um, so, wanna, you know, that's a fun, fun little hack to, to now start. I want to see, let's see if <laughs> yeah. I'll even, if I'll even He's, say who yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm scrolling, like, which is crazy how far back you go. Oh, damn. Yeah. You're probably like in 2020. I'm in 2022. Wow. You know, it's, this is a great example. So the last one for me is a group chat called 10 Spring Street, which is the apartment that I lived in my junior spring on campus, and it's my boy Edmo and Michael Young. Funny enough, I have, it was Ed's birthday. His birthday is what, end of, either end of December or early Jan, so I texted him then. And Michael, we keep up through Instagram. That is a good way where if, like, that's, again, two great guys that I definitely want to keep up with. And It's like, yo, who y'all got for the Super Bowl? Yeah, what do you, I love it. You know? Wow. Yeah. Damn. That's a free one. I like that. (laughs) I like that. Um, Okay, and so... Yik Yak was during college. And then, so you said you were living on a couch in San Francisco. What were you doing there? Yeah. So, um, Yik Yak happens. And then, um, I get a chance to go start a company in, in San Francisco. And, you know, I think the initial vision was, yo, I'm going to work at Yik Yak. 
like they're gonna hire me because I've known these guys since they had eight people on the team. Yeah. So like, of course you're gonna hire me, right? I'm gonna get this job and and then I'm gonna go start my startup, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm gonna work here to learn and then I'm gonna go start. And, um, you know, so I'm sitting there and I'm watching them and like, you know, I just realized like, yo, like they're smart, but they're not like any different from me, right? Like I could also do this. At the time, the founders of Yikak were 25 wow. and it was their first job out of school. And I'm like, the things you guys are saying, like I could also like I'm learning rapidly here, um, and I got my own spin on it, and I've been doing the YouTube thing, and like I think I could do this, and um, I got a chance to go through uh, Y Combinator. Cool. So the first company that we started um, was called Look Live, and it went through Y Combinator out in San Francisco, which is you know one of the top accelerator programs. Uh, they are the first investors in companies like Airbnb and Dropbox and Reddit and Instacart and DoorDash. I think Dropbox, uh, but like a lot of great companies uh, went through Y Combinator. And, you know, in my mind, I knew that that was a goal. I was like, okay, when I'm 27, 28, I'll go through that. But first, let me go learn at a startup. And um, I had a mentor call me and he was like, yo, we're going to go start this company. Uh, but you got to come move out to San Francisco like in two weeks. And I was like, I'm trying to get the Yik Yak job. Can I come later? Like, you guys go out there, get it started, and yeah. I'm going to come. Yeah, yeah, I'll meet y'all out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah because yeah. I'm just, I'm going to collect some paychecks, and I'm going to come. And he was like, no, you need, to tell, you need to tell me, like, right now, are you, are you going? And I was like, well, if you can get it in writing, like, I'm good. And so he literally took him, like, two weeks to get it in writing. I collected a paycheck. But I knew that the Y Combinator stamp was, you know, a better use of my time than working at Yik Yak. And then, uh, unfortunately, um, Unfortunately for a lot of the team members, but fortunately, I guess from my timing, uh, they shut down maybe like six months after I, I left. So, and your time as an entrepreneur, and you're even just your experience more broadly as an entrepreneur is something that I want to get into. Yeah, because yeah, when we met over Zoom, you you said the line that in that time you made every mistake in the book, and you were able to <laughs> learn from them. What were some of those mistakes that you made, and what was what was that experience like as a young entrepreneur who was trying to build something from the ground up? Man, so many mistakes. Um, we could we could list them off. I, I think you know they all boil down to like being scary, <laughs> being scary, just being fucking scary. Like you're just scared, right? And oh just, wait, like, wait, 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 wait. Like, like you're scared? Yes. Like yeah. Like oh. you're scared, right? Okay. And, like okay. fear. Okay. Fear okay, and okay. being scared, <laughs> okay. right? Like like quit acting scary, you know? Um, which is hard to say, right? Because it, it is scary. You know, it can be, especially when you're young. Uh, but to be honest, like the things you're afraid of really aren't going to actually like come get you. And everything is actually, you can work it out. You can go figure it out, but you have to be bold enough to like lean in. Right. It's like, it's like monsters in the closet, right? You're like, okay, there are monsters in the closet. Well, we can either be scared to sleep in the room or we have to like actually open the closet and flash a flashlight on them. And then we just realize like, oh, it's, it's just your, it's a mop, you know, and it's not actually a monster. And now the kid gets to go to sleep because they're like, okay, there's no monsters in the closet. Yeah. And I think when you're starting a company, you think there's just so many like evil monsters that are going to take you out. <laughs> and it's like if you just would like lean in and not be afraid to talk about those things with yeah. like a mentor or another entrepreneur or just have that difficult conversation with your co-founder, you'll realize like it's actually not that scary and it's actually not that catastrophic. 
let's keep moving. Which, although I will say it is much, it can be, and I think because you've gone through it, you can say that. This but is it's definitely, definitely survivor. This is also so survivorship much, bias, right? Yeah, like, I exactly. Mean, <laughs> and it's so, much yeah. easier said than done because I sure. can only imagine how many people there are out there who have an idea they want to start, who they have a company, they have XYZ that they're trying to get into, but the fear of burning the boats, of leaving everything, leaving the safety net of whatever well-paying job you're in to kind of take that chance. I mean, I struggle with that too in a much different ways. Yeah. So it, it is hard to kind of take that take that chance and take that leap. And I and again, you're right, you're you're so right. Thanks for checking me on that. I think, you know, I'm talking from my perspective, right? Like I'm coming out of school. I didn't, I, again, I never had a corporate job, so I don't know what it's like to have your bank account hit every two weeks and yeah. like you have thousands <laughs> in there. So I was broke. So they were paying me 600 bucks, uh, you know, every two weeks. And I'm like, this is great. You know, this is a lot of Chipotle that I can eat, you know? <laughs> and like, I've never had a nice condo apartment with myself and laid it out and, you know, having pregames at it. Like I was, I was used to kind of bare bones, which, mm. you know, is one, you know, some anecdotal advice that, you know, sometimes the best time to start a company is kind of right after school, right? Because you, you know, you're used to living low and you don't really know what you're missing yeah. uh, versus you on the other down, side, yeah. you kind of have like lifestyle creep. So if you typically take vacations, if you know you like nice clothes, if you bought a nice car, right? Now you're kind of stuck in those you know, just lifestyle creep. You have a car note, you have furniture that costs $1,000, that couch costs $2,000. Like you're not trying to give that up, you know, just to go start your startup. So, you know, I feel fortunate enough that I did do it early at 22, 23. I see, I do have friends who reach out to me now and they're like, yo, I want to go start something. And sometimes the biggest hurdle isn't the idea. It isn't their talent. It isn't the, you know, none of that. It's, you know, are you okay? Like, you know, not having the same amount of money that you've been having, but like in this time frame, right? Like in a perfect world in 12 years, you hopefully will have made a lot of money, right? Yeah. Because you actually did this. But I think also too, right? Like a big thing I'm also learning is we have to, we have to like widen our view of what success is and like money is one piece of it, but also the joy it's going to bring you, right? The impact you're going to make, the lifestyle you kind of want the freedom you want right all those things also make up the piece of the puzzle it can't just be oh i'm doing this to get rich yeah um but again i you know to your point i started when i was fairly young um and um if anyone's starting when they're young i think they should just remember to like lean in don't be afraid of the potential catastrophic monsters yeah uh, like and I, so i never heard that term lifestyle creep but i think that's 100 that's just holding me but that, i think that's definitely my biggest lifestyle creep is real the biggest hesitation because again i like that every two weeks there's money in the bank account i like that i got my bonus in january i like the so that is the thing where and i love what you said about having different definitions for success because for most of us it is money it's what's that person worth what blah 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 and it Again, all these things are so much easier said than done where I'm like, I like that I get I like that I'm going on vacation next week and at the end of March and at the, again, this is how you get caught and then you look up in 25 years and you've been at the same corporation for it's it's hard. Yeah. It's tough. It's no, it's, it's yeah. there's no one size fits all. Yeah. You know, but I you know, but I will say it has to be deeper than, than money because I mean like you work so hard and these things don't work out. Like my first startup didn't work out, right? That whole look life thing, we worked on that for 4 years and didn't work out for a various amount of reasons, right? Mistakes I made, mistakes the team made, the market, we got sued in there. You know, all these things didn't work out. And then you're just like, dang, well, I'm, you know, am I happy with what I did or am I upset? Am yeah. I upset it didn't work out because I'm not rich and I'm actually 
broker than I was when I started? <laughs> uh, or am I proud of myself for taking that risk, doing that thing, those fun memories I had? And now I have all these learnings to go do the next thing. Yeah. And the next thing could be even better than what I just did. So. Yeah. And so now one of your later ventures, you're working on West Peak. Tell the people what that is. Yeah, man. West Peak. West Peak is a... First off, West Peak is a street that I lived on in college with some with some buddies. Um, and so, you know, uh, as with every college group, there's a crew of guys. And so we, we, we lived on West Peak Road in college. And, um, you know, when we started doing some of our next recent, more recent companies, we, we decided to call the company West Peak. Uh, so it was very fun. Shout out back to kind of that house and like just what that was, that time and, and, and era. Um, but... We've got a few things under West Peak. Uh, one of the first things we've got is West Peak Productions. Um, so essentially during the pandemic, I did a virtual event with my friends. 5,000 people came and we became virtual event experts overnight. <laughs> and um, we've thrown like 500 virtual events. Um, you know, we have a lot of great clients uh, that, you know, I can kind of name, kind of can't name some of them, but we've done a lot of good work. Um We've made millions, which has been awesome. Um, and, you know, it's a great, cool production hybrid agency uh, that does, you know, the the technical work for a lot of conferences and, and, and events. Um, so that's like the first thing. And then there's West Peak, the community, which was something that we're still kind of getting together. But essentially, when I did that first event for 5,000 people, I met 5,000 people <laughs> who, who were very creative. They were entrepreneurs. They were professionals. And uh, to me, there's, again, that serendipity that I keep talking about, that we keep talking about. I was like, how do we harness that? How do we bring people together and like at the right time? And, you know, the things that I've learned about how to build a deck, how to do go-to-market strategy, how to talk to your co-founder, how to think about building a product, you know, how to sell to a client, how to land a $100,000 contract, like things that I've learned, um, people are asking me for advice on those things. And so can we create something that lets the community uh, really kind of learn and thrive? And again, so that everyone can understand that it's possible, you know? Um, so that's what we're working on right now. Right, now, you just you're inspiring me as we speak, man. <laughs> if I quit my job on Mondays because of yeah, you. <laughs> hey, look, look, call me up, let's go. We will be on a whiteboard in two hours, and you know, ideally, we'll hopefully have a product in the next week, and then you have your first customer the week hey, after man. that. There we then, go. There we go. <laughs> you know, you know, it'll it'll. That's how it happens, man. That's yeah. literally how it happens. I think. Yeah, I just need the. Uh, I, yeah, I I see it for myself down the line. Who knows, man? Hopefully, I keep pushing it and, off and off, but. Dude, trust the timing too, right? Like case in point, you, you have to trust the timing uh, of your life, right? Like when I knew that I needed to leave Look Live, I went to some folks and was like, should I leave or should I stay? Uh, should I go? Should you know? I stay or should I go? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, think of my life <laughs> matters to me the most. And, you know, it was like, what should I do? And um, some people were like, leave. You should leave today. And I was very afraid to do that. And then some people were like, yo, you should stay. Like hang in there. And I was also kind of like frustrated on doing that. But I left at the right time, meaning I left and about two and a half months later, maybe, maybe a month and a half later, was the pandemic, which allowed me to do the virtual event. Yeah. So I think back, like if I would have left earlier, I would have been way before the pandemic and I, would, I don't know what I would have been doing. If I would have stayed, I would have stayed Big during pandemic, the pandemic and like yeah. that probably would have been crazy. I don't know what that would have ended up in. But... What I did do is what I did. I left when I left. We started a new company. 
a year later, we're making seven figures. Life was good. And I went from, you know, dramatic shift of $600 every two weeks yeah. and something that was frustrating that wasn't kind of working to something that was more enjoyable. And, and a little more than six, 600 And a little bit more, yeah, a little than, more, a little more than that. You know, and so you, so you got to trust the timing. So all yeah. that to say, like, don't, you know, don't beat yourself up if you feel like you should have started a company by now or, you know, whatever. Just understand, just understand when it happens. Like, you know, make the leap and it'll be the right time and put your all into it. How big is the team? Uh, man, we've 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 had a team of 16, 17 at one point. Um, and then unfortunately we did have to downsize. And so it's just a small operation of like four or five people now. Wow. At this point, it's nothing, nothing too big. Um, so we've we've had our ebbs and flows too, right? Yeah. So it's not it hasn't been all peaches and cream. Yeah, yeah. Which is <laughs> yeah, in general, that's kind of what all these experiences will be like. And I'm sure this is what you'll highlight in two people is that it's what things are good sometimes, but things are also bad. And it's kind of the ups and downs of lives of a company of a podcast of a, all the different things that we're trying sure. to trying to make damn yeah it's all it's all a season man and, yeah, know, yeah it's a season but um but you know how do you navigate those times right and i think that's where you have to go back into like why you're doing it yeah. right if you're doing it for one purpose only and you go through a bad moment you'll think all is lost yeah right if you're having a really good time and you're doing it for one purpose only you'll lose sight of all the other benefits yeah. and so you really have to kind of um think about you know why you're doing things yeah and with that we will bring it to our two final segments talk to show. me what's up um first segment is i have my guests come with five songs to describe who they are as a person <laughs> i leave it open to interpretation say the song and say the reason you chose it all right five songs that uh <laughs> represent me as a person um so number one, uh, Preach by Young Dolph. I'm from Memphis, and you got to throw some Dolph in there. Yep. And like, that's just a great song that R. I think R. is uh, has some good some good messages in there. Yeah. Uh, overall, um, Latch by Sam Smith Ooh, okay. and Disclosure. Good, good song. Okay. Uh, I think that's one of the the best songs ever wow. uh, made. Best songs and, ever. Wow. You know, um, I think. You know, it, it represents, it, when you listen to that song, you feel like you're at a day party. Mm -hmm. And uh, we threw a lot of day parties in college. And uh, that was that was an instrumental song. Is uh, Darty or Dage? Uh, Darties. Yeah, we threw some Darties. Uh, <laughs> and so um, from there, I go to Be Your Girl, Kei Trinata. Uh, I thought about I thought about this. I put some time and effort into I like, it. I like that. As um, you should. It's an important segment to the show. I think, <laughs> you know, I think... I think if you took someone who had never heard music before and you played them Be Your Girl, Kitchenata, like, that would just, that's that's real music. Like, that's just amazing. I like uh, that description. Yeah. Someone who's never heard music and how you'd want to open them. You, hey, you, this you guy, open them, smart guy right here. You open them there. <laughs> um, last two were interesting. Uh, I threw Michael Jackson, Billie Jean in there, and that's partly because if you know anyone in my family that knows me, uh, they still ask me to this day, even though I'm a 30 year old man, to do the moonwalk because <laughs> I used to do it as a kid. And okay. They loved it. So, uh, so there's that. And then um, the last one is interesting. You know, um, there's two artists that are just my favorite, but they also, you know, one's my favorite, and then one represents Atlanta, but it's a big amount by Two Chains. I got a big amount. And with with Drake, yep. um, a great song. Again, a great feature from both of them. But I remember listening to that song like on repeat when I'm sleeping on that pullout couch, um, building that first startup. It was just like a confidence boost, like yeah. 
we're about to do this shit. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I probably listened to that more times than I've listened to any song. But yeah, nope. so those, those are the five, man. Love that, um, love that list. That was if, a tough list. But have yeah. you um, seen MJ the Musical? On Broadway, I'm not. I'm you not. should. I okay. saw that last. Literally saw it last Sunday. It was my first Broadway show ever. Spectacular. Interesting. Would highly, highly recommend. I so, think it's only here for another month and a half ish. Interesting. Before so it I, goes to London. I just read that obviously Michael Jackson, the the, the estate sold half his catalog for like one point two million dollars yeah. yesterday. But it was interesting. They're keeping the rights to theatrical. Oh. Um, plays and all the different things so i i guess they see some future in the, that's in one of those things where how, how do you even put a value on mj because i saw some yeah. tweets like that's they like they lowballed them oh robbed yeah that's robbed yeah because you again the family is 1.2 so they're like oh we got something good but i'm like you could i got you know 1.2 or 50 percent but it's just um i just don't i think that music is gonna appreciate forever and ever exactly but. exactly so highly recommend the show or the broadway show I'm gonna, um and then the final segment on the show which i've done for the last three four episodes okay i have my guests um kind of manifest their ideal life 10 years in the future down to the most specific detail it was inspired by this amazing article that i read that i'll send to you where basically just asked a bunch of 20 year olds kind of what they want to be doing 10 years from now down to like this number of vacations a year this many kids my kids are in this school and it was just a, i just i've never read an article that i just like loved so much i don't know why i loved it so much but i just loved it and so it's now inspired this segment where it's a great way to just manifest kind of what you're trying to get at in the future so live 10 years in the future to the most specific detail possible that's amazing because I think about this all the fucking time. Love so uh, <laughs> thank you for uh, this question. I, I didn't know what it was going to be, but I'm actually very prepared for this. Uh, <laughs> Ten years now from now, I'm 40. I'm probably standing on the Malibu beach, toes in the sand. Uh, I've probably got the AirPod 7s or whatever the fuck <laughs> in my ear. Um, I'm, I'm holding my kid. It's the morning time. We're watching the sunrise. Uh, I'm probably on the phone with a founder. Uh, helping them with their company or what they're working on. Um, we, you know, are just walking down the beach, enjoying the morning. Go back inside with my wife, partner, you know. I, yeah, that'd be cool, I guess, in the next few years. <laughs> um, go back inside and me and the kid make breakfast, uh, you know, while she's in bed and breakfast in bed. Um, yeah, and then, like, you know, Mom and dad and sister are probably going to come over for lunch and we'll hang out and have a good time. So, you know, I think that sums up a lot of things, right? Just the type of people I want in my life um, or who I want to still be there. Um, I'm living a life of, uh, on my terms still, right? Like, I think that's still important for me that I get to wake up every day and be like, what do I get to do today? And I'm like, I get to record a podcast with Flo. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't have to like necessarily be anywhere, yeah. but here. Um, and I think, you know, that kind of describes that. And I think still doing what I love though, right? Still helping people take their ideas, put them into the world. Um, I'm in Malibu, so obviously we can afford Malibu. So there's, you know, I don't have to talk about the money part, but... Yeah, man, that's that's the next ten years. So I need to leave here and get to work so <laughs> I can make that happen. Uh, but, <laughs> but but no, that's the next ten years, man. Um, but it's you know, 
but you know what they say, like, you know, God laughs at your plans. So exactly. We'll well, that was beautiful answer. And again, I love these questions because each person that I've asked has taken it in such a different direction. But yeah. each answer is just it kind of lets you see <laughs> the things someone cares about. Yeah. And the things that they're gonna prioritize in their future and the things we're all trying to trying to achieve. So love that answer. Manifesting every single aspect of that for you. This has been a great episode. Thank you for coming. Yeah, exhilarating. It happened fast, man. It, yeah, it, quick. Uh, Remy, how far, how long do we go for? Fifty-seven. Fifty-seven. Yeah, almost no. at an hour. I was like, I'm a, I got that hour in my head. I always keep it to keep it to the hour. Um, Scooter, do you have any any final words for the people? Uh, man, just you know, believe you can do it. Just honestly believe you can do it. whatever that is, right? Um, it doesn't have to be just entrepreneurship, but just believe it can happen. Believe you can do it. Whether it's you want to build a better relationship with a friend, a family member, you want to go accomplish a dream, build a company, you want to go apply for that corporate job, you want to you want to go make a cake tonight. You know, first time, <laughs> first time making a cake. Yo, believe you can do it. You know, um, like believe you can do it, man. I that I love that. That is a beautiful place to wrap this episode. This love is it. a very fun episode. Very Great fun. meeting you in person. Great learning about your story. Inspired me. Definitely inspired everybody who's listening. And yeah, this this has been another episode of Go with the Flow. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening. Run it up. Not, not, not.